on? Can you hear me out there? Head on. Hello, hello, oh, there we go. Good morning, everybody. Good, good. All right, if you had to uh, pick between wind and heat, how many would pick wind? And how many would pick heat? All right, well, it's a good day then. You know, in, in Scripture, you know what the word wind is, right? Same word as the Spirit. So the Spirit is definitely with, with us this morning. And I want to give a big welcome to all the people watching at home as well. And uh, Scott, I appreciate what you said about the seniors. It has been hard for our seniors, as for many of us, but they just keep having things canceled. And so I'm glad we can recognize them a little bit today. And I hope that uh, as many of you that can will go and just look at some of the displays they have um, set up because we do want to honor them. It's been, for some of them, it's been the last 18 years. They, they've grown up at this church family and we just want to honor, honor our seniors in high school. So I want, to, I want you to, if you're at home, you can just turn to someone in your living room or if you're just by yourself, you can just think about this question. If you're in the parking lot, I'm going to give you about 45 seconds. You don't have to get up. Just mumble an answer next to the, to the person next to you. And, and here's the question. What was your least favorite job you've ever had? Least favorite job for those of you that have had jobs. About 45 seconds. Go ahead and answer that question. All right, so my, my, I have several jobs that I did not enjoy. One, I, I, I worked at a grocery store for five days before I quit. I was just a, I guess I was just a weenie. I, I didn't like it, so I quit after five days. I was 16 years old. Uh, then later, this was also when I was a teenager, I, I was working at Old Navy folding clothes, and I thought that working on a roof for Max Pope's roofing company would somehow be better than folding clothes at Old Navy. So I quit my job at Old Navy and went to work for Max for two and a half days. And then I got my job back at Old Navy. Didn't, didn't really want to be on the roof. You know, some jobs really fit us and some don't. So for a few weeks, we've been talking about what is the church. It's not the building. So what is it? And we're going through the Bible and looking at all these metaphors. Today's metaphor is, is probably the metaphor we talk about the least. It doesn't seem to fit. I was actually trying to find songs that have this particular metaphor in it, and I, I couldn't find them. Maybe others that know more songs than me can. I don't use this language very often when I pray. In fact, this, this metaphor is so foreign, uh, that we rarely ever speak about it, and yet it's very, very clear in the text. 1 Peter chapter 2, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So Peter says, you are a priesthood. Isn't that interesting? The Bible calls you a priest. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are a priest. Now that word, 
We don't use that word. And so kind of like rusty golf clubs in the attic that you have to pull down and dust off to figure out how to use them again, we got to dust off that word priest. Because most people today, when they hear priest, they think Catholic priest in the garb, the cross, the necklace, maybe the hat, maybe the collar, priest. That's not what Peter meant when he wrote the word priest. When Peter wrote that we are a priesthood, he's talking about the Old Testament. And so we have to go back in time to understand what priests did to then understand what the church is supposed to do. So, Old Testament. I want to give you two things that priests did. There's a lot of them. I'm just going to give you two. Leviticus 4. The priest will make atonement for the community and they will be forgiven. So when the people of God sinned, they disobeyed, they broke the covenant, it was the priest's job to get sacrifices, bring them to the altar so that the people's sins could be forgiven because they would meet with, with God through the purification of these sacrifices. And so to put this simply, the word here is intercession. Everybody say intercession. The priest would intercede on behalf of the people. Now, I want to give you an example, a really clear example of what, what this looks like. I'm going to use Moses to give you an example. Now, Moses is not technically a priest. He was a prophet. However, there's a really interesting verse in Psalm chapter 99 where Scripture says Moses was among the priests. So even though he wasn't technically a priest, a lot of people in Bible times, they, they viewed Moses' actions as priestly. And what he does in Exodus 32, I think, is the greatest example of intercession other than Jesus. So here's what happens. The greatest miracle, arguably, of the Old Testament is the parting of the Red Sea. People of Israel pass through the waters. It's a big victory. That is followed by, arguably, the greatest sin of the Old Testament, the golden calf. People make a golden calf, forget God, they start worshiping this idol. God gets very angry. He comes down and he says, you know what, I'm done with you. I'm going to bring my wrath on you because God at this point feels very betrayed. He's very hurt. He's heartbroken. He's just saved his people and his people have rebelled. And so here's Moses and he doesn't exactly know what to do. So he intercedes. Exodus 32, verse 30, Moses looks at the people, first of all, and he, he says to the people, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand in on your behalf. And then he, to God, he says this, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin." And this next part, this blows me away. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. That is remarkable intercession. Sometimes when I see somebody else do something wicked in the world or something evil, I think, ah, forget about them. They deserve the consequences of their actions. Take them away. But Moses, he says, don't take them away. I'll take their place. Don't forget them. Forget me instead of them. Blot me out instead of these people. That's intercession. 
Intercession is when one group of people or one person stands in the gap for another. And so in your life and in my life, what this means is intercession is when you share the burden of somebody else. I mean, everybody knows somebody in your life who is suffering, who has a burden. What intercession is, is is when you go to that person and say, we're going to get through this together. Our suffering is bound up in one another. That's that's intercession. It's what priests did in the Old Testament. Here's the second thing priests did. Let's talk about the Ark of the Covenant for just a minute. Do a little Bible trivia here. The Ark of the Covenant contained three items. Can you name any of the three items in the Ark of the Covenant? You can say them out loud. Good. We've got Ten Commandments. We've got Aaron's staff. And then we have a jar of manna. Three items in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what is more important than what is inside uh, the Ark was, was who the Ark represented. And in the, Ark, uh, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant actually represented the very presence of God. So if you follow what the Ark is doing, especially in Samuel and Kings, what you will find is that where the Ark goes, God goes. And so if the Ark is with Israel, Israel succeeds. If the Ark is not with Israel, Israel fails. There's this amazing story in 1 Kings chapter 8 where the Ark of the Covenant goes into, into the tabernacle and then the whole room fills with the presence of God. So the Ark represented the very presence of God himself. Now guess whose job it was to carry the Ark? You can say it out loud. It was the priests. It was their job. They were to actually mediate the presence of God to the rest of the people. So when it comes to what a priest does, number one, a priest would intercede for the, the people. But number two, the, the priest would offer the presence of God to the people. And so again, let, let's go to Moses. Great example. This one's pro- more familiar than the previous one. Moses would go into the tabernacle and spend time with God. When he came out of that tent, his face would glow with radiance because that's what happens when you spend time with God. God's presence starts to actually change you and transform you. And so what Moses did is he would go back to the people and then when the people would see Moses, they felt like they were seeing God himself. Moses was mediating the very presence of God to the people. I'm telling you, This is arguably the greatest gift you can give to somebody else. It's twofold. Number one, it is to spend time with God yourself. And then two, after you have spent time with God through prayer, through song, through scripture, through meditation, through silence, then you mediate that presence to somebody else. My guess is you've had the experience where you you spent some time with somebody a good friend, a parent, a grandparent, and you left that person thinking, I feel closer to God because of that person. That is called presence. And let me tell you, there's no shortcut to presence. The more time you spend with God, the more presence you have to offer other people. So let's review. Priests in the Old Testament primarily did two things. Number one, intercession. Number two, presence. Everybody say intercession. And now everybody say presence. And so Peter comes along and says, church, you are a priesthood. In other words, the job of the church on the one hand is intercession. We bring 
God, no, no, intercession is we bring the world to God. And then job number two of the church is presence where we bring God to the world. That's our job. And so let me just ask you one simple question. This question is not meant to be a guilt trip. It's just to me, it's meant to be a reflection, reflection question. And here it is. When it comes to your priestly job, are you carrying your weight? Like, are you pulling your priestly weight when it comes to your part in the church family? Because Peter's very clear on this. The whole church is the priesthood, not just paid staff. I was in Mexico many years ago doing a mission trip, and we were pouring concrete and stacking bricks all day long, and we were on a break, and it was a really small church building that we were constructing, and I I was talking to a local, and, and many years ago, I spoke much better Spanish than I did today, and so I was trying to talk to him in broken Spanish, and I asked him if his church had a preacher. And he said, oh, no, no, we don't have a preacher. And I said, oh, really, why don't you have a preacher? And he said, we used to have a preacher. When we had a preacher, one person did all the work, and 99 people sat in the pews. So we fired the preacher. And now, 99 people do the work, and nobody sits in the pews. Now, don't take as the application of that story that we should fire the preacher. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm simply getting at that he had a point there, this guy in Mexico, that it's the church that are, we are the ministers. In fact, Isaiah 66 actually says, it doesn't use the word priest, it says ministers. Like We are ministers of God's word to the world. You have been designated and ordained by God himself to bring God to the world and to bring the world to God. Once again, turn to your neighbor and say, you are a priest. Now, let me tell you why I think the image of priesthood is so important as we try to understand what church is. When we go through the motions of church, we just come week after week and we do our thing. And obviously, it's, you know, different right now in the pandemic season. But generally speaking, when we get into the just going through the motions of church, then do you know what happens as far as what gets pushed to the middle of church life? Two things. Number one is preference. And number two is comfort. And so what happens if we just go through the motions of church is that what what comes to the center is, well, was that worship service, was it what I wanted? Did we sing the songs that I wanted? Did, did we do the outdoor service or the indoor service or the online service like I wanted it to be? Did Phil make sure to preach his sermon so that it, it supported all of my views and made me feel really happy about the things that I already think? Comfort for many people today becomes an idol. Preference becomes an idol. And so what happens then is the, is the church becomes this country club and we exist for our own nature to self-perpetuate our own thoughts and our own desires to infinite. That's why I'm so glad that Peter wrote this little line, the church is the priesthood, because at the end of the day, comfort is not the center of the church. Mission is the center of the church. And so therefore, I think we need to reclaim priesthood as a central metaphor for the way we talk about the work of the church. We are all ministers. 
and God is doing his work through us. Now, every priest has a post, and I think if you sat down with Jesus for a job interview, and after a few questions, Jesus said, all right, you got the job, you're a priest, and then as you were leaving his office, if you said, Jesus, where do I start? I think Jesus would say this, you start right where you are. You start with your neighborhood, you start with your friends, you start with your family, you start with your workplace. That's, that's your post as a priest. I'll never forget a few years ago, I was invited to this lunch. Several, several different people were there, and there was different churches from around the, different church leaders from around the community. Uh, some Church of Christ, some not Church of Christ. And this, this one guy was sitting next to me, and when he found out I preached at Memorial Road, he got pretty frustrated. He said, what? You, you preach at Memorial Road? I was like, yeah. And he said, Phil, I, your church is the reason that I cannot evangelize in my own neighborhood. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, you, you're, you're all just so stinking nice. You Memorial Road people. It's ridiculous. Well, come to find out this minister, he lives over in Smiling Hills. And I guess he's just surrounded by Memorial Road people. And he said that at one point, he, it was the weekend, he was mowing his lawn. He was getting really frustrated because his lawnmower wasn't working. And he was about to let out a string of words that he wasn't supposed to say because he was all by himself. And as he was frustrated with his lawnmower, Darren Martin walks up to him, one of our members, with a plate of chocolate chip cookies and said, would you like a cookie, sir? And so as this guy is telling me this story over lunch a few years ago, he said, Phil, it's ridiculous. You Memorial Road people are so stinking nice. I can't bring anybody to Jesus because of your people in my neighborhood. Now, I'm, I actually was laughing inside. I was so proud of my church family. It's great. I would love people to get angry at us because we're so stinking nice. Now, what's Darren doing in that neighborhood? He's just being a, a neighborhood priest. He's bringing the world to God. He's bringing God to the world in his neighborhood. That's what we're supposed to do. I'll tell you one more story, and then I'll be done. Bart Rabinsky, he worked at this church for a long time as our singles minister. Then Now he's missionary in Europe, and he sent us a story a few weeks ago. So this is early in the pandemics in the country of Slovenia. And there's this, there was this group of people that met for a Bible study. Dennis and Malena uh, were the people leading the Bible study. And they had invited about a dozen people into their house. This is before the shelter-at-home place guidelines were put in place in Slovenia. Well, a neighbor thought that they were doing something wrong, and she called the police. So the police show up at this Bible study. There's 12 people in this living room, and they ask, what's going on? So right there in the neighborhood, Dennis tells the officer, here's what we're doing. We're not doing anything wrong. And then Dennis shares this book that they were studying with the officer and says, we're actually studying the Bible. We're talking about Jesus. The officer listens to the story and, and goes home. And, you know, a lot of these stories I feel like are cheesy and like, oh, did that really happen? This is the way that Bart said it happened. Officer goes home, reads the little pamphlet. A few days later, he calls Dennis back and he says, hey, I know that I was at your house, you know, because this lady called me, but I'm super interested in, the, in this guy named Jesus, would you mind studying the Bible with me? And Dennis said, absolutely, I'll study the Bible with you. And so what's Dennis doing? He's just being a neighbor, neighborhood priest. He's bringing God to the world and the world to God right where he is. In fact, that same night, the news people came out because there was a disturbance and there wasn't a lot of else to report on that night. And they wanted to report on this story. And so Dennis, on camera, started telling the gospel to people at home. Again, what's he doing? He's just being a priest right where he is. So say it one more time. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a priest. And your job, number one, is to intercede on behalf of the people you know to share their burdens, to stand in the gap for people that are suffering. And number two, your job is to bring the presence of God to the world. Let us pray. Father, we're sitting here and we do feel the wind. We feel your spirit move in this place. I'm thankful for everybody in the parking lot. I'm thankful for everybody at home. And Father, I'm thankful for scripture that calls us to be priests. And so Father, our prayer today is that you would help us learn how to do this better. Help us to learn what it means to intercede for people in pain. And Father, help us learn what it means to bear and mediate your presence to the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, Amen.